Jersey Scene Coming Clean podcast is presented by Cloak and Dagger Media. This is the uh, the kickoff. This is episode two. We have Sierra and Joe of With Sales Ahead. How you doing today, guys? Great. How are Hello. you? I'm doing well. Awesome. Awesome. So you guys have had um, some interesting stuff going on the past few weeks. You had the pixelated music video yes. that came out that featured me in a cameo role as the uh, as the door guy. Yes. And um, so let's let's talk a little bit about that because that was an interesting night. Because yes, yes. the event said 5 to 10, and everyone saw 5 to 10, but I don't think everyone really understood what 5 to 10 meant. Nope. I mean, like, yeah. By like 8 or like 8.30, I think everyone was like so like winded down. And even though we weren't really doing much, because like, a lot of it was like you guys, and a lot of it was just us standing around just like hanging out with each other. But I guess people like were like, oh man, this is such hard work. I have to stand here and eat chips and pizza. And wait for the scenes to beat. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, you know, we were hoping that was what people knew it was going to be. Because we were like, hey, we're going to Oh, no, I, I knew exactly what was going to be happening. <laughs> like, I had a feeling because, like, I've done video totally shoots in. before. Like, when you're watching it in action, it's like a nice, cool, like, three, three and a half minutes. But, like, it could take five to ten hours to shoot enough to just to yeah. be able to get that footage together. I know, absolutely. I, like, felt worried that people are going to like think it was going to be just like constant like action packed uh shooting and it was No, fun. no, not at all. I mean, um but it was fun. It yeah, was no, it really was a, fun. It was a lot of fun and we had uh we had Bonesaw making an appearance. Oh, Matt Sandy. Yeah. So really funny about that. My friend Shannon who was there um sent a snap of that scene where he's uh flips all the stuff off and her coworkers like, "Yo, how do you know Bonesaw?" It's like, oh. so this guy's just like known. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, from the high school superstars. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what? Yeah. That's, that's fun. That's that's fun stuff. Had a lot of scene friends come out and help us, which is cool. Yeah, it's cool that we had like I enjoyed little... the gentleman covered in wires. Oh, Ross, yeah. Yeah. He's the best. I don't, I don't think he enjoyed my company so much. I was kind of ripping on him like a majority of the evening. Ah. But like. Oh. He forgave me at the end. It was just all in good fun. But, uh, yeah, no, he had those wires on for a while. He, yeah, he was, like, was... starting to get, like, really upset because I think he had them on for, like, almost an hour. An hour? Wow. It was a long time. He was just walking around the house with these things on. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just waiting for the scene to start, and I'm covered in wires, and you're driving me crazy. And he was he was losing it. I noticed that when I was doing I was editing the bloopers, <laughs> and there's so much footage of him, and he's like, so he was anticipating throwing the wires down. Yeah, and he was Chris so was looking like, forward to it. Chris was like, nope, not yet, and he was like, ah. <laughs> like literally, he was walking around the house like that, and he was just not having a good time. But the video turned out great, and then you guys had that um, the free show 
at Bury yeah, the Hatchet Bury the in Hatchet, Tom's yeah, River that's it. with America Part 2. How was that? I unfortunately wasn't able to make it. That's okay. Uh, I know. But it was, how did the show go? It was a fun night. It was fun. You forgot to mention Cave Art as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Cave Art was in yeah. there too. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was such a great show. Free and you can throw hatchets and you can drink alcohol. Like, I want to play more shows there. It was yeah, awesome. I heard they're going to do more shows there. That's I don't know awesome. about the frequency, but... And then what was the booking you went through? It was like Clubhouse booking or something like that? Who is that? Uh, Jimmy yeah. Mira. Yeah, Jimmy Mira. We go back. We went to high school together. That guy is like... Oh, you went to high school with yeah, him? Yeah, I went to high school with Jimmy Mira. Yeah. I went to Sunday school with him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Sunday yeah. school. But yeah, Jimmy yeah. booked that. I, uh, Joe... You play the guitar, and you work at... Really? You work at the Guitar Center. I work at Guitar Center, like, two feet away from your house. Not <laughs> just Guitar Center, the Guitar Center. It is the Center for Guitars. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, tell us about some of the new models that have come in. Can you give us the scoop? What's oh, going on in the Guitar Center world? Yeah, I don't know. There's new stuff all the time right now. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of Vox amplifiers. I just bought a Vox AC4. Tube ones? Tube. Yeah, and now I want a Vox AC15. Does Vox make not tube amps? Yeah, yeah, they make solid state, you know, beginner amps. Um, I I don't fuck with those, but they do make very nice tube amps. Yeah, Vox is like one of those big, it's like Mesa, Vox, Orange. Those are, that's what's in. Yeah, I, they I make, they're, they're British, so they're up there with like, Marshall and orange, like you said. Yeah, I had a Marshall half stack, but it wasn't tube, and I didn't realize that. But this thing freaking wailed. I picked it up from 200 bucks from some dude in Newark. It was huge. He's like, Yeah, I'm converting to like a small cube thing. And I'm <laughs> like, Oh, why would you want to get rid of this huge amp and just get like a small cube? Because I was like 19 years old, and I'm like, This thing's great. And yeah. then I turned like 24 and 25, and I'm like, Wow, this thing is huge. I can't keep carrying it around with me everywhere I go. That's how it goes, man. My first half stack was like a Ibanez with a B52 cab. Thing weighed a ton. I got to the point where I'm like, all right, I want a 212 now. Little, little lighter. Still yeah. a good tone, but you don't need big, big cabs anymore. Yeah, no, as you get older, you realize that it's not the size of the amp. It's what's on the inside of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not it's to, the tone that matters. It's the tone that matters, exactly. Not to get too uh, too raunchy on the podcast, talking about tone, <laughs> tone and timbre. Everything I do, I do for tone. <laughs> well, I mean, in recording, I guess that's kind of true, right? Oh, very true. And um, you guys recorded um, Morning Sun recently. How was that? That was released last year. Yeah. What's <laughs> was funny though? It was released last year, but we recorded it in. Spring of 2017. April. Wow. Yeah, yeah April. <clears throat> was it just the mastering ago. that took a while? or It was the partially missing... my fault because the tracks were done, but I had to get like a 128 gigabyte flash drive to put all the files on because our mix engineer, uh, Derek Moffat, was in. Because well, you from? have a stem He's for every single track, right? Wisconsin, yeah. We had stems oh, for every track. Yeah, take up... lives in, sorry, Derek. Um, he lives in the Midwest, yeah. essentially. They so... take up so much space. Yeah, so yeah. I had to, I had to, you know, buy a flash drive and mail it to him instead because there were too much, too many gigabytes to upload. So it just, it took, and then you know, to mix it, and then we got, we had to make the CDs, and you know. Yeah, it's. 
It took a while. It took a while. And, like, it was, it stunk because, like, we had a tour lined up and, like, with the promos we took that year, like, matched with the album cover. Like, we did not realize. The thing with putting out an album is, like, it's not just, like, booking the studio time and doing it. It's, like, you get it recorded, um, mixed and mastered. You have to get together the, like, the graphics for the album and, like, lay out the album artwork. And then you have to, everyone has to pitch in, not just for the studio, but also for the CDs and the merchandise. Yeah, of course. It's, it racked up, like, a lot of, the way, the process we did Morning Sun with, like, it racked up a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah, we never, we didn't really expect it. And then that's also partially why it took so long to get it out there. And as Sierra mentioned, there were so, so many steps and so much money, so... Yeah. yeah, it's and it sucked because it felt like we were just like not wasting time because we were still keeping busy in between, right. you know, re- finishing recording and then like the actual release. But like, it just was like, oh my god, like we have not had music for so long. Like we need to drop this ASAP. But right. and then we had to record or we had to film the music video. That was like a thing we needed to do. So that took time. And you did a music to... video before Pixelated, right? Yeah. This was, like, the music video that we promoted the album with. So, like, we did, like, a one-month, right. si- like, um, promo But cycle. obviously you couldn't do the video until you had the final track, right? Yeah. And then, like, the tracks, like, we had to pay. We paid for, like, two at a time because it was oh all we God. could afford. Like, while yeah. we were on tour, like, um, or planning for tour. And, um, and then we finally got everything done. And, like, the music video took a while to get that back. And, um, and then... By the time we finally had all the assets, it was like the holidays, and we were like, "Do we really want to drop this by Christmas?" Yeah, so it's an interesting time to drop music out. Yeah, and it's like exactly, know, yeah, exactly. You guys <laughs> dropped it out at a good time. What was it like? Um, springtime. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So it was like we March. Yeah. Ninth. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember you promoting it. And I was like, "Yo, this chick buys coffee at the place <laughs> that I work at, and this album work." artwork is kick-ass and it's exactly the kind of stuff i'm into and i listen i'm like this is exactly the kind of stuff that i'm into so Yay. yeah thank you fast friendship and then of course the music video and all the other stuff all the other shows sierra's birthday party where yeah she, where she did karaoke drunk oh and spun, around, spun was... around in circles on the ground while joe everyone... and i sing it wasn't me by shaggy he did and <laughs> it was joe the best killed it dude i know you uh, killed it I was yeah. crying in, in the laughing. best way. I just I mumbled all of Shaggy's words, <laughs> but somehow it was it was you know perfect line for line. <laughs> you guys did a good job. Thanks. And it was like thirty people watching, and Sierra was so drunk she did not even care. She didn't even notice. Like all those I, people were there for me. They were Fuck all there it. for you. <laughs> they were all there Fuck for it. you. I was standing next to Jeremiah in the kitchen, and he was just like, "That's her. That's my girl." <laughs> and I'm like. Yeah. That was a fun night. But, uh, yeah. And uh, we played a lot of Smash that night. Did you guys play any Smash in the studio? Or did um, you try to avoid doing video games? I know some people no, bring GameCubes into the studio. Oh, dude, you want to hear? There was an arcade. So some of the people who, who have been to Backroom know that there is an arcade. And it has so many games in it. It's got, like, hundreds and of emulators. the one game that Santino and Ryan... We're playing the entire time. 
NFL Blitz or That's something. That's right. I remember yeah. you telling me about that at the party. They were playing yep. NFL Blitz like nonstop. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't get it. I don't. It doesn't look like a good game. And like, what I'm was not... that N sixty four? Yes, probably. Something like that. N sixty four GameCube. It was one of those two. Because they were playing at the yeah. party, too. Yeah. And I'm like, I have no idea what this is, but these guys oh. really, really like it. Like, yeah. they really like it. They were, like, up against the television just, like, playing this game. And yeah. everyone's around, like, wow, I have no idea what the appeal is, but these guys, just, they found something in this game. They're yeah. rolling with it. No, they're yeah. just really competitive when it comes to uh, uh, Blitz. That's really funny. Yeah. That was a good time. Um... What video games have you guys been into recently? I know Sierra's been playing a lot of the new Smash and some KH3. We've we've talked about Kingdom Hearts 3 on the internet. Yep. I (laughs) Okay, so I have always been like a casual gamer or like turn-based games. Yeah, yeah, same with me. I never did the action RPG thing, but I loved watching other people play. Yeah. So obviously Kingdom Hearts is a, a JRPG like action game, and like I used to i i found out like the plot line of the game and i followed it because i was able to like you followed it what do you mean <laughs> it's so complicated well like one and two yeah, i'm just gonna yeah, say yeah, i yeah. watched one, one and two yeah. are understandable after that it just gets kind of so murky. um i used to do when my sibling uh spencer lived at home like we would watch them play and then like when we went on like family vacations like they'd bring the ps1 oh too like and we and we'd play and then um, and then in college, uh, well, so I watched them play both one and two. And right. then in college again, I watched like my friends play one and two. So I'm super, and like the, everything, like the emotional aspect of like the game and like the characters, Cause it the seems music. like a lot of Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy is really bled into music. Like, especially like the post-hardcore scene of like the 2000s, um, a Skylight Drive's first full-length record, half of the tracks on there are references to Final Fantasy characters. Really? Titles. Nice. Um, there's a song called Ex Machina that literally like has quotes from Final Fantasy X in the oh. lyrics. Um, Chiodo's very first record, The Heartless Control Everything, was based on Kingdom Hearts with The Heartless. What? Yeah, right? Really? Yeah. I, it's not like I listened to Chiodo's. I, I liked their singles, but like... Yeah, yeah no, I, Chiodo's is yeah. very divisive. I was a huge fan because they kind of like got me into that whole music scene of post-hardcore. Them and like a Skylight Drive, Devil Wears Prada, Escape the Fate. Those were like the first bands that I was introduced to, like when I first okay, started high school. Okay. And then I branched out a lot. And by within three months, I was listening to the number 12 Looks Like You and Poison the Well. So mm-hmm. I pretty much just like, I took the music and I ran with it. Yeah. So, but a lot of those bands like are super into Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, and stuff like that. So it's really interesting to see because there's a lot of, um, it's a lot of emotion, and a lot of people play it in their formative years, like between like 13 and like 17, 18 years old. Right. And that's around the time where a lot of these kids decide that they want to be in bands. So you take that influence. It's probably, you know, aside from maybe like a good book you've read, it's probably the deepest emotional experience you've had that isn't like personal, like in your life. Yeah. Like a really, really good movie. Because you play a video game for a long time, there's a lot of emotional and time investment. So after like 40 hours of playing a Kingdom Hearts game, that catharsis at the end when you finish it oh yeah you get to that end and you're like like when i make music i want it to be like that exactly like i want it to be a journey from beginning to end and when that final note plays i want to feel that same feeling that i get at the end of a video game and i feel like that's a sentiment that has been kind of injected into the music scene especially in our generation just because video games are so important and they really blew up pokemon especially like pokemon is just ubiquitous Mm-hmm. Every band 
loves Pokemon in some form or another. It's just the way yeah, things are. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, I like I knew I was gonna have a way to finish the game because Jeremiah, my boyfriend, like was not really super invested in the series. Right. So he was like, "Well, why don't I buy it and like try to play it? But I'll help you." Yeah, yeah. So I did play the game. So yeah. that was cool. It's a fun game. Um, yes. Plot wise, a little murky, but gameplay wise, uh, oh, I wished plot. it would never end. <laughs> Like, it's so sad because, like, there were so few Disney worlds, and I wanted the Disney worlds to keep on going because I felt like three of them were just, like, watching a Pixar movie with, like, some Kingdom Hearts just, like, kind of put in, especially Frozen. I skipped the Let It Go scene. Yeah, no, me too. I heard the music start, and I was like, no. Well, because I've heard Let It Go so many times, like, it's not good anymore. It was never that great. I love Idina Menzel, and I admire the songwriters. You mean Adele Dazeem? true yeah i mean i admire that like the songwriters like won a grammy for that yeah, and absolutely. like uh i love idina menzel but I they deserve the grammy they sold a bunch I of records and people it. weren't there. like grammy's all about numbers so like they did win because they sold the most and they like did the most like that song everyone knows that song now yeah all the old guys in the recording academy were like i heard that frozen song on the radio now it's nominated for grammy <laughs> in japan it's really big too i didn't realize that but frozen is huge huge in japan i'm not surprised <laughs> yeah like japan picks up on like such interesting things from our culture but i feel like disney is one of those things that oh, yeah. it latched onto very quickly mainly because anime is mostly inspired by disney cartoons um yeah like um, ghibli is like they're disney pretty much yeah, like hayao miyazaki so their walt disney the original guy i, I don't know if they're his first related name. but um ozami tezuka he was the original guy he's like the main anime and basically what he did is he looked at those old cartoons of, like, Disney cartoons, and his first mo- movies were actually um, propaganda films for the Japanese military. But they were all made in that same style of black characters with, like, the white stomachs and the white gloves. And it's yeah. really interesting. It was, like, in the 19, 1942, 1943. But Japanese animation took all of its cues from U.S. animation, but they injected their culture into it, and they also just kind of ran with it. Like, U.S. animation kind of stuck to small pockets there were only like five or six animation companies it became part of japanese identity at one point like there's like tax laws and things regarding like exporting of anime like there's been all sorts of weird law things with anime not being able to be exported to the united states um i don't know if you've noticed but like there's some series that you just can't get on blu-ray they're almost impossible to find because art they're just not coded to this region Mm. it's like really bizarre yeah it's interesting but uh, sure. this is more about you guys. Sorry, <laughs> so I'm rambling okay. a little bit. No, it's very actually very interesting information yeah. to hear. I yeah, I'm that. thinking about starting a different podcast where I talk about all that stuff, so I don't like <laughs> vent all of it out. In well, this I mean, one. like it's I see what you're bringing up though, because it's related to our music. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean your music definitely has like that anime video game vibe. I mean the album cover with the Sakura blossoms. I love anything with Cherry or Sakura yeah. blossoms. They're fantastic. The depth in the album cover I really like because the perspective yeah. is actually really well done. I actually, um, I drew the concept for that before I sent it off to the artist because I was like, I had that vision and I was like, fuck, like, sometimes you describe, you ask someone to draw something yeah. and like, they have like a different idea of what they want it to like look like they might per- they might perceive your yeah, idea yeah, yeah. in words differently so i drew it and like, did, you very put, did you put like notes on it like pointing here like this is how i want this um, to look like 
I, I didn't have to because I, pr- I pretty much sketched pretty out the outline of everything. Outline yeah, and I just asked for a specific color scheme and the artist turned it around and I was like, yep, this is perfect. Because <laughs> I had to do that recently when I made the logo for the show because I was like, I want to make a logo. I want it to be the shape of New Jersey, but also a spray bottle. And the one that he gave me was like, it was just like a little nozzle at the end of New Jersey. I'm like, that doesn't look enough like, like a, a spray knob. bottle. And so like, and he did like a couple drafts and I eventually had to draw it myself because I'm like, I'm not a great drawer, but this is exactly what I want it to look like. And then he did it and it looked perfect and I got it done. But it's yeah, like, sometimes you just need to do that. Sometimes you just have to draw it yourself. It's like, um, when you're trying to remember a song. And you're like, hey, dude, do you know what that song is? You're like, no, they, uh, it's the one that goes like, I don't know what that song is. But, but um, I know what you mean. But I know, yeah, but I know yeah. what you mean. And like, it's weird, man. It's, it's, it's freaking wild. Oh, yeah. New Jersey's a wild place. Um, yeah. We all grew up here. Did you guys, are you guys originally from New Jersey? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Same here. I mean, I was born in Manhattan, but we moved here. Really? Oh, I, we moved here when I was like one. So like, I'm basically from here. Like, yeah. I, I was, I don't remember any aspect of living in New York. Um, the smell will never leave my nostrils, but I think that's just, <laughs> once you've been to New York, that smell never really leaves. Yeah. You go back and you're like, oh, I remember this. It's pee and rain, even though it's been sunny for the past five days, I still smell rain. And garbage. And garbage. Garbage. Garbage is the big one. Yep. Um... Yeah, but um, so we're in like an interesting position, our state, where we're in between two of the biggest cities in the country, Philly and New York City. And those are two very different music scenes and two different, two very different types of shows. Which one do you guys prefer? Do you prefer Fuck. New York shows or Philly shows? This is so hard because... They're... Uh, neither. I prefer New Jersey shows. Well, no, no. That's, Sorry. That's my next question. <laughs> I'm talking about between those two. New Jersey shows are better than both of them. Okay. And I'm going to talk about why. Okay. But for now, I just want to talk about New York City and Philadelphia because they're pretty much in driving distance to where we are right now. It's about yeah. the same We're distance. We're so lucky. We yeah. are very lucky. I can't Too think of like, markets. the only place I can think of maybe is like Milwaukee and Chicago or like mm-hmm. the only other two cities that are in close enough proximity that you could drive to one or the other in a right. decent amount of time. But other than that, really New York City and Philly, and they're such big cities when it comes to music. I mean, Philly's got the Trocadero, which is a big place, the uh, Unitarian Church where everyone has shows that first Unitarian Church. Isn't the truck shutting down? I believe it is the shutting truck? down. I yeah. saw that. Oh, I suck, but... Yeah, it's a um, bummer, but... um. Well, as so, long as Voltage Lounge doesn't shut down. <laughs> Where's the Voltage Lounge at? Um, When you get right off the Bren... Ben, Bren the, the Ben Franklin Bridge, it's right there. Well, it's, uh, it's uh, kind of attached to the former um, electric factory. Okay. Which... um. I, I saw a porcupine tree in that venue, and I, it was like, I, and that was like the second concert I ever went to in my life. So I was just like, I love that venue. And when I found out that it was shutting down, I was heartbroken. Yeah. But uh, to answer your question from earlier, I have a love-hate relationship with Philly, but I would have to say that Philly has better shows than New York City, just because it's just like, yeah, <sighs> Manhattan is so inaccessible, and Brooklyn is just also kind of inaccessible whereas philly is like you drive over the bridge and you're in it yeah you can drive in philadelphia yeah you cannot you can try to drive in manhattan good luck 
Good yep. luck getting in. I know. When we played Webster Hall in like 2016. Oh, oh God. That was the worst. Oh, my God. Oh, that I, was a nightmare. There are no streets over there. No. It's all just like walking. Yeah, and they booked a club event to start in the upper level of the venue, like right after we were done playing. So we had to literally throw our gear in our my boyfriend's truck and fucking go. Yeah. Because <laughs> like otherwise they were going to ticket us or Yeah, no, there's, us. there's nowhere to be over there because like it's there. And then it's just, like, houses mostly around. Like, the streets mm. that are, like, kind of around the corner, there's, like, a couple, like, there's a smoke shop over there or something like that and a couple of restaurants. But it's mostly just apartment buildings over there. And it's people right. living there and there's, like, a big church. When so we like, played, uh, sorry, when we played that gig, one of the other bands, they were like, yeah, we, uh, we've we been here since 5 a.m. And but they got the parking spot right in front of the venue. I'm like, oh, yeah. That's oh, what yeah, you gotta do. Oh, yeah, Save Us From The Archon. Yeah. Oh, that was them? That was them. Yeah. Wait, Save Us From The Archon, really? Yeah, we play with them. That's we play awesome. with like everybody. <laughs> they like um they released a record what last year that was like kind of big, I wanna mm. say. Did they break no, up? They broke up. They broke up last year. Really? I thought I got a single from them recently. It was on like my uh, Spotify recommended, and I swear to god it was like last summer. It was a single from them. Maybe right before they broke it up. It might have it must have been right before they broke yeah. up. Yeah. Who were they signed to? Tragic Hero, I think. I wanna say it was Equal Vision for some reason. It could be wrong. It's possible. They were. I feel up. like they were kind of too mathy to be on like a major, like mainstream label, though. Yeah, amazing band, but like very. Equal Vision like, had. Niche. Equal Vision had Follow Troy. Okay. They yeah. got all. They yeah, had. Yeah. They had. They had the craziest of the crazy. Yeah. All right. I love Equal Vision records. They were one of my favorites. They're they not. Some they're not like. Bands. They're focusing mostly on like hardcore punk and like, post hardcore bands like punkier ones though. They used yeah. to be like. Yeah, like, they're Follow- on Tragic Hero. Okay. okay. I like Tragic Hero. They put out good stuff. They put Me out Hughes Legend, which is a freaking phenomenal band. Yes, um, I've heard of them. Yeah, so... Um, but Equal Vision, like, maybe last year or the year before, they signed Hail the Sun, and then they signed yes. Solus. I remember that. Yeah, and then they... You know, and Hail the Sun signing was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, well, from like Blue Swan, label. Blue Swan was their stepping stone, and, and that got them into... Equal vision. I'm sure Will really appreciated that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure he was really cool with it. Cause no, like, the, oh, yeah. Donovan's actually talked in length about how like Will like kind of pushed them towards that a opportunity. A lot of He's smaller labels do that because they like to work with the smaller bands. And then once they get big enough, like go on to a bigger label. I'm here to get you started. Keep on going because they yeah. want, they like to be that extra step because a lot of people didn't have that. So once you have the opportunity to help a band blow up, and you're like. I can keep doing this. Like that's something that a lot of musicians I feel like get into as they get older. Um, Kurt Ballou from Converge is a huge producer. He does so much stuff, and a lot of musicians like um, Caleb Shomo, Bear Tooth, and Attack Attack. He does all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, I feel like there's this disconnect where people think of like the post-hardcore and the metal scene is different from the pop scene. But in actuality, when you're recording and you're doing all this music stuff, it's all basically the same. Like, there's differences in the music itself, but in terms of, like, the business aspect and the promotion, like, whether you're a small local band or, like, a big, like, mega band like Blink-182, you still have to have the marketing, you still have to have people promoting your shows. Like, it is a business in a way, but there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of people kind of, like, confused about, like, the balance between you know doing this band for fun but also we can't be losing money at the very least like we can we can level out but we shouldn't we don't yeah. want to at least be losing money and, oh i know and you shouldn't have to but 
I feel like a lot of bands are like in that weird spot where they like don't know, you know, we want to be big, but not too big. And that's a place, you know, where either you're doing that willingly because, you know, of your life and you're like, this is just something I do for fun. And there's also that like, we don't want to blow up kind of thing. There's like sort of like a back talk, like we can't, so we won't. What do you guys, do you guys think about that at all? Like that weird thing where you're like, we love what we do. And we wish we could do it full time, but the way that the world works, that's just like most people just wouldn't think that that's feasible. This is going to get existential real quick. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> um, I think about this daily. Because like, you told me that you were willing to get deep. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think it's an interesting thing to talk about because I was watching yeah, a video um, about it I um, tell you that. the other day that it's just like people seem to have this weird disconnect where they think that creativity and music and creativity and money don't go together. And that once you start making money from your creativity, you've sold out, which is like this weird thing that I feel like a lot of people like, I think a lot of people have that in the back of their heads and it doesn't come from anywhere in specific. It's just something that a lot of people just feel that we're just kind of born with thinking that like the second you start making money off of your art, you've sold out in some way or you've, kind of compromised yourself in order to be successful and i feel like there's no reason for us to feel that way because the most successful music is the people who like just make what they love yeah um, i would disagree with that completely i'm not saying that that's no, no, true. I, yeah i'm yeah. just saying like whoever says that is wrong because um well this is a tough question i'm sorry this yeah, no is worries. like the, We're gonna dive right the, in, the way i look at it is that if you're you're making an art that inspires other people. Yeah. There's, there's no selling out there. Like, right. I, I make music because I want to inspire people and I want people Absolutely. to feel, feel things. Of course. So if I make money off of that, awesome. Right. Yeah, if we... Like, I don't think there's any shame in taking opportunities that turn into right. um, better, better opportunities and, like, more money for your band because... I mean, like, there's this is hotly debated <laughs> in yeah. the scene, but um, uh, shows of promoters where they're like, "Hey, you want to open for this really cool band that you look up to, up to a lot? All right, right, sick. Can you sell like 30, 50 tickets?" And it's like, 100, 200. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I won't drop, I won't drop names, but um, yeah, no, no, yeah we've had to, names. we've had to, you know, because. <sighs> The people we make music for, like, we, we've met them at a combination of both, like, DIY shows and, like, those shows where you play, like, the, the club venues. Mm -hmm. And, like, the problem is, is, like, if we just played, like, uh, shows where, like, we just played to, to kids in houses and, like, basements and, like, fire halls, like, there's no telling that, like, if we would have ever grown as much, but, like... We took opportunities where it was like, okay, like we have to invest in this as like for our band and like the potential like you know listeners we can get from this. Like, um, I'll never forget when we played like hit for hit with Hail the Sun in right. like 2016. We were like, fuck, like we have to sell tickets, but like imagine like if we like actually make money from the show and like we get a really good response, and we did, and so we kept chasing opportunities like that. Um. So like, people act like pay to play is a bad thing, and it's like uh, it we is. don't we don't do we don't do pay to play, but similar concept of selling, selling, selling tickets. tickets. That's different. That's not pay to play. 
pay to play is literally like give us two hundred dollars and we'll let you play. Like that's not right. But like saying like we want to make sure that we are promoting a band that's going to make us money because at the very end of the day, you can't deny money is important and you can't do things without money. It sucks, and I wish we all wish that it didn't work that way. But that's the way it works, and money I mean, talks. In the beginning, like I didn't know how to stick up for ourselves. Yeah. I'm, I'm a push. I'm a pushover. Yeah, no. <laughs> so no, like I when understand. promoters would be like, "You have to sell like this amount of tickets, or like you can't play." Uh, we did like take some losses in the beginning, right. but like we've gotten because we like did our time and like we worked hard. Like now we can kind of pick and choose, and like we don't. We can kind of negotiate now. Yeah. Like, if someone wants to play Wednesday night in Philly, it's like, okay, like, maybe we'll do it. But, like, you're, we can realistically just do, like, 15. We can bring, like, 15, 20 people. Right. And then it's like, that's that. Right. And, like... We, I feel like we kind of know our audience, too. Like, we're not going to just take shows that, like, yeah. you know, are going to get us, um, you know, money. Right. We, we want to play, like, uh, the Swan Quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, people who are going to appreciate the music. You don't want people just like standing in the back looking at their phones. Like, I know. You got money, but like you didn't enjoy playing, so That's what does the it thing, really like, matter? That was like in the beginning. We knew it was the right thing to do to like get engaged with like the DIY scene because that, that was where we wanted to be. Right. But like we played with those bands and like there was, we all have respect for each other, but, but there wasn't like, we didn't feel a closeness with right. them. Like it didn't feel like something was clicking and like. I don't want to attribute that to like preferential treatment right. at all. I don't you think, think it was, was just like because the music style I, was just different. Yeah, or? I really think that they just they couldn't connect with us. We couldn't connect with them. We just like well, because that basement aesthetic, it's hard to play. Like you guys have very technical style. It's not really suited for a basement. Basement people, they go there, they want to hear people screaming at the top of their lungs and punching brick walls. And, like, yeah. that's, like, one of the musicians is just a brick wall puncher. Like, they don't even – it's, like, instead <laughs> yeah. of the basis, he just punches the wall, and that's how they keep rhythm. Well, but, the other problem is is that there's not – there isn't really a scene for what we're doing at least I hear. Like, you guys, if you were in California, you would fit right we in. We talk about like, that all the Like, time. San Francisco, like, with Chan and those guys, like, you guys would fit right in in California. I know. I was, we There's this band we Florida know from Florida, too, out there. I think, also. Yeah, Florida, like like Texas, like Texas. Yeah. we've had people like we thought we we like I don't know we think really not lowly of ourselves, but we like we're we don't think we're hot yeah. shit or anything. We don't think we're like You're the humble. best by any means. It's like and like when we dropped Morning Sun, we had kids reaching out to us from like Texas, and, That's like, awesome. Colorado, and like California. This had never happened before. Yeah, and they were all like, "You have to come play with us." It was like kids in other bands or like just kids that loved like post-hardcore they were like progressive music and like that's awesome i was like if only we had the money and that's why that's why we take these opportunities that are like we kind of have to go out on a limb and like um you know we really don't make money from this band but like we would love to yeah. so that we can but um i don't think there's anything wrong with us wanting to like take shows where like we maybe might make a little money if we play and yeah, we no, might make not... more fans so. yeah that's that's the thing like it's not a problem. Like, you're, you know, you're working with a venue. They need to make money. You want a place to play. And you have to find that balance of, well, this is the amount of people we can bring. And this is the amount of money that we can get for you if you will let us play on your stage. Because that's all we're trying to get out of the deal. 
Like, if we break even, we're fine. We're not trying to, like, make a profit off this. We want to play on the stage, and we want to play for people, and we want to see them react. We want to see people enjoy what we have to offer. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, like, sometimes people are just honest people that are, like, in that line of business that are, like, just – they're good dudes. Um, no, but there are a lot of good promoters We, yeah, we know who venues. to work with and who not to work yeah, with. Yeah, no, <laughs> once you're in the business for long enough, you kind of get a feel for things. And, like, once you have your people – that's the best. That's once, the thing, once, yeah. Once you have your people, you're like, I know he's going to take care of me. I know she's going to take care of me. I know if I play here, they're going to make sure that enough people show up that we're not going to feel like weird, that we're playing for nobody. Yeah. Which is always important because when you're playing a show, when it's not your responsibility to do the promoting and it's someone else's, when they slack off on that job, it freaking sucks. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really um, demoralizing. It's demoralizing sure. and it just makes it seem pointless like why would you ask me to play a show if you weren't gonna why promote be it? a promoter if you're yeah. not gonna if you're gonna outsource the work to the band i mean exactly the title of promoter it just makes like, no promote, sense they don't promote like, anything it's like i i have a i have a basement you can play in promote the show and i'll let you play in my basement it's like so you're not a promoter you're a booker which is different don't tell call yourself a promoter if you're not and certainly don't like book shows in your own venue and expect the bands to promote. If you don't want to do it, get someone else who's not the bands to do it. It mm-hmm. just seems silly to be like, bring your own fans. Because yeah. that's just weird. I just realized we dodged your question about, um, you know, like, the band. Like, what if we, what defines us, like, making that jump into, like, this being a full-time thing. Or, like, Yeah, no, no we worries. With- we're, just, we're just here to discuss, so... Yeah, well, I we think like kind of like the way it works is, you know, the more if we make money, we'll have the funds to go out. Say we want to play Texas and California. Right. If we make money playing music, we can do that more. And I guess that's how it's like a, it's like a money. nonprofit model where all the money you make just gets put back into the oh, band yeah. for recording for tours because <laughs> i've never made a dime playing music nope and it goes back into it right like it goes said. right back into it, it really does yeah um i saw a really funny status someone posted once he said um the words money and music should never be together in a sentence and i said how about i play music for a living therefore i have no money <laughs> and i'm <laughs> yeah. like that's, that's about yep. the, that's about the only one yeah. but you know yeah i wish we could do this whole time i mean that's the dream that's obviously, the dream but of course like, it's weird. What we what we do is like if I speak in terms of like you know, marketing speak, like what we do is technically marketable, but right. like people people seem to like not be able to put us in a box and that turns them off. I don't know. Yeah. People think we're pop punk and but we don't really appeal to pop punk kids or you're fans. Not, well, I'd because, say that like well, we do a little punk. bit. That's I, I can see the appeal. But I would never call you a pop punk band. I would never yeah. say those words. No, but you would be surprised how often we get called pop punk and compared to Paramore. That's because well, no people don't know what the hell they're talking about. Because basically, you're compared to Paramore because you have a female vocalist. Pretty much. Which, I is, mean, which is Haley Williams syndrome, which I thought was over. It's 2019. It will never end. <laughs> it will never. Everyone, every girl just sounds like Haley Williams to everybody. That's just the way it is now. Halsey sounds like somebody. I can't remember who she sounds. No. Oh, Ellie Goulding. That's mm. what it was. They sound almost identical. I think the problem is, is like, sometimes people only know what they know right. when they listen to music, it's, and like, so, um, so if someone comes up to us and they're like, they've only ever listened to like, 
pop punk or like pop bands and they're like you guys are like heavier paramore and i'm like i try i'm trying to take it with a grain of salt because i'm trying to see it as a positive thing yeah um sometimes that's real people don't know about our influences they how are they gonna fucking be like you sound like lower definition circa 2010 like love Lower definition. The greatest of all lost arts is one of my favorite yep. most hardcore records of that all time. That is the reason why this band is a thing. So. Really? Oh my Wait, god. Have I not told you this? No. Can we talk about lower definition for a second? I forget yeah. about that band. Miami Nights. Oh my god. You gotta listen it again because the band oh name god. is from that song. Oh my god. Really? Yeah. Oh my god. That record was like that was one of Johnny Craig's first features, and guys, dirtbag. But I gotta say, he does a great I vocal know. feature. Uh, yeah. yeah. He did a Broadway song that was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Don't Jump the Shark. Yeah, Don't Jump the you. Shark. Yeah. That yep. band is so good, too. I talked about them with uh, Dan's band on mm. the episode that we now have to postpone for, <laughs> for reasons I can't specify because if I did, I'd have to postpone this episode, too. So we'll just continue uh, on. But um, I, I d- didn't know about Lower Definition before joining the band, but... Sierra's big Who, Who's the one of you guys who never listens to Dance Gavin Dance? Santino! Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one who was like, like, I've heard two Dance Gavin Dance songs ever. Oh, no, but he likes them. What He, he learned how to them. play. He likes the new album. I remember him telling yeah. me about that. But like, He learned how to play Chucky? No, I forget one of the Chucky new songs. Chucky vs. No, no, no. Tortoise? It was something off the newer album. I think sorry. it was Care. Or, yeah. It was off Artificial Selection. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. With Santino, like... Okay, when w- this band started out, I wanted to be counterparts of the screaming so okay. badly. So the demos I put out, they kind of sound like pop punk because yeah. I don't scream. Right. Which is, is just, it is what it is. So Screaming's hard. Unless you know, like, it's a very specific way to do it. Yeah. You can do it and hurt yourself, but if you want to do it without hurting yourself, it's a very specific technique. Oh, I know. Which apparently is actually less harsh on your vocal cords than singing is. Yeah. According to Ollie Sykes. Shout out to Ollie Sykes. Your vocal cords are better now. Oh, no. We don't talk about that. (laughs) We don't talk about Ollie Sykes. Um, (laughs) So, like, well, Joe, we met because we both love Dance, Gavin, Dance. Like, the first time we met was at a DGD show. Okay. Where was it at? Game Changer. Nice. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. But Santino... That's when they could still book shows before their their reputation went down the toilet and they shut down. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Santino, he was like a metal guy, pop punk guy. He actually is one of the um, the founding members of Float Face Down. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Float? I those, you wouldn't I, expect that, right? I haven't I heard those those words together in a sentence since high school. Yeah, I know. But yeah, he was one of the original members, and so when he like became interested i think it was like like our music was more leaning like yeah. that way and like his influences were not remotely close to ours but i turned to joe and i was like he's a really nice guy like who knows maybe he'll dig the direction we go in and like um so we just brought him on for like a few like like practice or like writing sessions to test the waters yeah. and like he showed up every time was prepared on time nice guy so how um, cool does that feel by the way to audition like musicians to be in your band you're like it's we... actually really awkward really kind of oh dude the surf taco date we had the first we time had, we met we had santino meet us at surf taco 
Was this like the pre-interview? Like, we want to make sure that we vibe before we let you touch an instrument in our presence? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so important. I mean, okay. A lot of people have the luxury of knowing the people they start a band with before they start the Yeah, band. like through osmosis. I did not. Like, I know him from this band and we played together. Yes, blah, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. And like... Um, I mean, the people, the villains who helped me were my friends, and that's how I got this off the ground, but, like, we I didn't... We tried. We tried to get friends, but, like, and we turned to Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, so, like, no one wanted to commit, so we had to turn to Facebook groups and, like, networking at shows and Craigslist, where we found Jamie. Right. But, um, oh, no, we few... found Jamie from Craigslist. Where did we find... Was Santino just on Facebook? Santino was a Facebook group. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, those are the people that you know are really into it, where they're, like, going out of their way, like, I want to be in a group. Yeah, are yep. you guys looking for people? Yeah. Because, like, you definitely don't want to, like, hassle people. Like, hey, because, um, you know, that's basically what it was like in my hometown, because we had three drummers in the whole town. No. So oh Between, God. like, 12 bands. Yeah, it's like, hey, man, uh, you want to be in my band? I was like, nah, I'm already in four other bands, <laughs> dude. And yeah. I'm also a doctor. It's like, re- like really? But um... Drummers are few and far in between. And, yeah, like you said, a lot of drummers are in multiple bands, as is Ryan, our drummer, in another band. And uh, What else is he in? Still Ghost. Still Ghost, formerly known as My Lonely Heart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We had a good while before <laughs> we had to share our drummer, but he is just like, you can't stop him from playing drums. Like, he needs to be playing the drums, yeah, so it just of, makes a sense. A lot of people are like that. Yeah. I think that all psychiatrists should prescribe drums for ADHD. It's like, screw the Adderall, screw I the Ritalin. That's that- what I tell people all the time, because I work in the lessons department at Guitar Center, and I'm like, your kid has ADD? Give him a drum just set. Just give him a drum <laughs> Do set. Do people really tell you if their kids have ADHD? Always, and they're like, what do you guys got going on? What's what's next in the world of With Sales Ahead? You guys got any shows coming up? Any uh, band practices that you're looking forward to? Right now, we are writing. Okay. Um, we're kind of, uh, we're taking a break, a short break from gigging uh, to focus on writing. Is, so, it, is, this, an, is this an exclusive? Um, no, we, we, we kept telling people we're taking writing break in December, and then we like met five times in January and February. It was, it was slow to start, and I personally was not feeling very inspired for a very long time. We would probably have more music done by now if I didn't have writer's block for like a year and a half. Yeah, but now that we're getting back us. into it and we're getting inspired and like me and Sierra mo- write most of the music together. So it's okay. like just a matter of us getting in a, in a room, sitting yeah, yeah, yeah. in front of a computer and writing. Do you guys do um like the drums like MIDI sequencing or like how do you or do you like not even like focus on the drums until later um, on? I will like if he's working on, or if I'm tabbing something out, I'll map out the drums if I can. Okay. So he'll do the same. Everything that I write, I write in Guitar Pro. Okay. Program drums. Uh, I, I'm sure Ryan's tired of it at this point, but I've pretty much written a lot of drums for like a lot of our music. But um, I like he's always like we're always just like okay, like this is how we feel it should go, but like you just do your thing. And... Yeah, I feel like that's a lot of what goes on with drummers because once you stay on beat, you can add as much flair as you want to, as long as you're staying on rhythm and you're not throwing too much shit out there. But it's all it's all math, it's yeah. all time signatures. It's just like the general idea. Yeah, he's a good enough drummer that I trust him. It's like oh, it's yeah. like the difference between like a pop punk band like Blink One Eighty Two before and after Travis Barker. Like you got the simple beats, but Travis Barker just throws that flair in there. Oh, I that know. That really just makes them stand. Out. Yeah, Ryan is super creative. Like he comes up with. I like his drum shit. covers a lot. Your face, my fears cover was really good. Oh, thank you. You didn't like it? No, I loved it. 
I, uh, I worked really hard on that. I, like, when I told Those Ryan... Those are hard him, notes to hit, Sierra. You did yeah, a fantastic job. I mean, I can do them, but the problem was that day... The thing with, like, being a singer is, like, you can... Especially if you're like me and you have, like... You're allergic to everything. And you have seasonal allergies. Yeah. And you're allergic to dust. And, um, just... I woke up that day and it was just, like, no amount of steaming or medication or, like, tea or anything could help me. So I just had to go in there and do my best. So I, you know, it's... I was so happy to do that with him because he he did he wrote some really cool shit for that. No, no, but, that's what I'm saying. You did a great job, and honestly, I didn't even notice. I thought you sounded great. Thanks. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. All right. Now, before we go, I just have a couple quick questions for you guys. Jersey shows. What's your favorite venue in New Jersey that you've either played at? Actually, you know what? Played at and gone to shows too because I have a feeling that they're going to be different. You're right. I was going to say no, but you're right. House of Independence is my favorite venue. To go to or to play? To play. Sorry. Oh, jeez. I have to specify. So, <laughs> favorite to play. But favorite to go to the shows, too, is Asbury Park Brewery. Because it feels like... Oh, I love those shows. It feels like the the, the heart and soul that was at the lanes migrated there. Yeah, so. and it's, it's nice and small. They have really comfortable couches. And yeah, so, oh my god, a so, venue with couches! A venue with couches, it's super low-key. Like, I've seen some pretty crazy bands there. I saw Rich People, who are from South Jersey, they were really oh, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're really nice guys. And, like, all the merch tables were, like, right when you walk in. And the merch table's kind of, like, my favorite place to hang out at the show. I love meeting people at shows. That was, like, when I first started going to shows in New York City, I would always hang out at the merch tables and, like, talk to the lead singers and, like, get autographs and stuff like that. That was just my thing. So walking in and just seeing like, oh, hey, all the bands are right here. So in between sets, I could just talk to them about their music and stuff like that. It was wild, like having the transparency. That's why I love this scene so much. It's like even the bigger bands in a way, it's like there's still people just like you. Like they're not, you know, they haven't gotten to that point where they're like, I don't need to talk to you because I am who I am. Like that dividing line doesn't really exist in our scene. Freaking Bruce Springsteen, you could talk to him about pretty much anything. I met the dude in some random town in New York State. Really? Yeah, we were in Sag Harbor, New York. His uh, daughter races horses and does like horse shows. Huh. So he just happened to be there. He was talking to some dude about valeting his car. And we talked to him for about like five or ten minutes just about New Jersey. I never knew this, that you just were shooting the shit with Bruce Springsteen. We're shooting the shit with Bruce Springsteen. Like, people from New Jersey are pretty chill. Even the ones who like made it big. Like, Bon Jovi just did that thing where he gave a bunch of food to the... Uh, workers who weren't getting paid during the government yeah, shutdown. Yeah, he owns that. Um, that's that place Soul in Red Bank. Place. Yeah, there's yeah. one in Tom's River too. Is it, is it good? Well, I think it's open like during specific hours, and like I'm uh, never in Tom's River. Places. I'm never in Tom's River, so yeah, I don't know, but I'm sure it's cool. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for coming. Wait, in Joe tonight. didn't give his favorite. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Joe didn't give his favorite. I'm sorry, uh, Joe. I I no, I don't know. You don't know? Um, I because I like. I liked playing House of Independence because it was a big stage, but I also prefer smaller venues. Okay. And I also like going to shows at House of Independence, and I also like going to shows at smaller venues. Right. So, you just you. I just... have a double answer. It's the same for both House of Independence and the Asbury Brewery because I like big venues and I like small venues. Those seem to be the two big spots, and funny enough, they're both booked by the same people. Huh. 
Yeah, Aftermath does. Do, Aftermath does do the do brewery, but House there. of Independence also does some stuff through the Asbury Park Brewery too, which yeah. is awesome. Because those are really two like those are the heart and soul now. Asbury Lanes is cool, but they're kind of like TGI Fridays. Yeah, just a little <gasps> bit. I I never got to go to the lanes before really? it was renovated. I went many times. But like the way it is now, like I don't hate it. I just think that like they shouldn't allow bowling during during shows, and the restaurant's kind of lame. Oh my god, we we got that mac and cheese, and didn't you you was it you and Jamie that got sick from the the mac and cheese, or was it? Well, it's because it was mac and cheese, and there was just a pool of butter in the bottom. Like yeah, I don't I don't fuck with mac and cheese like ever. Like it always makes me sick. I get, mm. I'm very nervous about mac and cheese. I like a good mac, but that one, yeah, no. Panera has good mac and cheese. Yeah. All right. In a get, bread bowl. The, in a bread bowl. <laughs> bread bowl. <laughs> you guys look like you're yawning, so I think we're going to end it here. But thank you again so much for being here. You guys were awesome. Thank Once you for thank having you us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no problem. Once again, with Sales Ahead on Jersey Scene Coming Clean. Uh, next week, we will be talking with someone else great who, who, who will that be um only time will john tell. bovey john Bo. yes i want john bovey on this show it is my life dude i'm sure if i sent them an email i could make something happen they seem like pretty cool guys yeah.